0: Welcome to Reputation Matters. I'm Creighton Webb. Our guest today is a PR veteran with decades of experience in crisis communications, high-profile speech writing, litigation PR, risk mitigation strategies, and as you'll hear, so much more. Some of his notable roles include former chief spokesperson for the National Rifle Association, doctors for liability reform, and speechwriter for an array of politicians and celebrities. Bill Powers, thanks so much for joining us on Reputation Matters, appreciate you doing it. So we've got to start. What was it like to work for the National Rifle Association? One of the most, you know, love
1: them or hate them, one of the most controversial organizations in the country, perhaps in the world. Well, you're right, love them or hate them. And there's there's no question that uh, they have a brand that has stood for over 150 years. Um, And, you know, their membership, uh, which is, you know, that's really at the core of their strength and power and really drives their reputation as being a tough uh, organization uh, defending the Second Amendment.
0: Yeah, what what would, walk us through what your role or myriad roles
1: over the fifteen years or so that you worked with the NRA? Well, I had I wore several hats. Uh, in some uh, regards, I was a, an advisor uh, to their CEO Wayne Lapierre, uh, his chief speechwriter, uh, uh, media representative. Uh, uh, g- consultant to him and and point person on his media appearances, um, so my role was to h- really help him um, enhance uh, and uh, uh, build up uh, the 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 reputation of the NRA, particularly as a very strong uh, 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 stalwart you know defender of of the right to bear arms, because that's what NRA members want. That's That's what they want to see from the the leadership of their organization. Yeah. The NRA has
0: a reputation of no compromise. Like whatever piece of legislation comes up, whatever national tragedy seems to happen, fair or unfair,
1: the reputation is is that the NRA will not budge. That's true. Um, And to some extent, it is fair. There have been some compromises over the years, but they've been on the margins, and for the most part, especially in recent times, um, their reputation's accurate. They are a strong-fisted, no-compromise um, uh, defender of the freedom for their members, and that's who they always want to keep in mind. That's, that's their the core of their strength. Um, and, and, and they also know that that if they give an inch here then, then, the, then the next time it's going to be another wrench on, on another issue. And you start that going down that, that slippery slope of, of uh, more and more encroachment on the freedom that they're trying to protect. Uh, and so if you know there's going to be something else down the road after this one, then you have to stay strong on that one, yeah. on, the, on the first one. And so that's why they have they have deservedly built the reputation of being largely no, a no-compromise organization. So you've said something a couple of times that
0: I think is really key, which is their audience, their yeah. membership. So, from a reputation perspective, is that who they're? Oh, 100 percent. Mostly focused yes. on, concerned about, hundred um, percent.
1: You know, they they'll often have other audiences that they want to get to. It could be members of Congress, you know, or elected officials in a state uh, in which an issue is is playing out. But yes, hundred percent, their their core audience is their core members. Yeah.
0: So how do, how do they do that? How did you help them reach their core audience, but also perhaps um, give cover to members of Congress who were their supporters,
1: but who might have
0: felt the need to compromise on a piece of
1: legislation? It's hard. You know, uh, I, I would think there were times it would be difficult for a member of Congress facing scrutiny from his or her own media uh, 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 that might be, you know, uh, concerned about an issue. My role uh, was to find ways for, and it was usually Wayne LaPierre, the CEO of the the NRA. Um, My role is to help Wayne, uh, whether it's through media appearances or other outlets, to get the message out that a congressman might need sometimes, you know, standing strong on an issue and throwing a few talking points out, that's all a member of Congress is looking for. They just, they're just looking for something to hang their hat on and say, see, I agree with the NRA. And what generally happens, particularly in terms of a crisis situation, it could be a mass shooting or something. Um, when the NRA comes out with a statement, they get vilified, which takes the attack away from the member of Congress. Can you give me an example? Sure, um, after the Sandy Hook tragedy in, in Connecticut where you know those, those 20 little kids and six adults were, were, were gunned down and horrible tragedy right before Christmas. Um, and usually in that kind of a situation, the NRA might remain quiet because in the aftermath, the facts come out about the shooter and how he stole guns and killed his mother and had mental issues. Um, and in a rate, we generally try to wait until some of those facts can emerge so we can talk more specifically about what happened and more factually about what happened. But in this case, it was impossible to wait. A, the holidays were coming, Congress was going to leave and go on a break. Um, and we just felt like we couldn't wait until the middle of January to come back and, and have this tragedy play out in the media, you know, for the next month. And members of Congress were clamoring for, something from the NRA um, so that they could have something to respond to, to their own constituents when they went back home. And so we held a big press conference uh, at, a, at a hotel downtown in DC at a big ballroom that was packed uh, with four or 500 members of the media and uh, Wayne LaPierre, you know, delivered a speech, provided a lot of angles of cover, uh, whether it was enhancing school safety or, or uh, uh, providing uh, a trained armed security at schools we uh, and, and other you know uh, we tried to tried to do as specific as we could to throw some talking points out there yeah um and you know nra got vilified Wayne lapierre got vilified uh but members of congress that were looking for something from the nra were were generally okay
0: see i think that's such a fascinating flip on the head of a juxtaposition, right? Because so oftentimes in our role as PR folks, we're trying to help brands recover from being vilified, right, to to bolster their reputation. And what I hear you saying is that the NRA almost in some instances
1: saw that as its role. Sometimes, you know, I don't know if you've ever been whitewater rafting. Um. A friend of mine uh, out in Idaho uh, is a guide. Um, And I remember the first time he took me down the South Fork of the Payette River, as we were approaching the first rapids, he said, now when we are going into the rapids, as we approach, you start paddling. We want to speed up. I didn't understand that. And I said, why do you want to speed up? And he said, because if you enter the rapids at the speed of the water, then it will control the boat. But if we are going faster than the speed of the water, then we control the boat. And sometimes, particularly with the NRA, sometimes the, the strategy was to put an oar in the water and change the, 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 change the circumstance, change the debate. S- yes, sometimes the role of the NRA was to be vilified, uh, to protect others.
0: How would you assess the reputation of the NRA during your tenure uh, cuz you've used vilified
1: yeah good bad depends i think it depends on your point of view i would assess their reputation uh, when i was there as being good and and uh, uh, increasing in uh, political and cultural power uh, uh, for you know a long period of time uh, going back to the last 20 years. Good for its member. Good, for, good from good for its members. members they, 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 their membership grew. Uh, their fundraising grew. Uh, their political clout seemed to grow. Um, so I think over a couple, span of a couple of decades, uh, I think the reputation, again, it depends on who you're talking to, but I think among its members uh, was excellent. What was it like for you
0: to be the spokesperson from time to time. You've mentioned Wayne LaPierre, writing speeches for him, him delivering statements, but the times where you were on the record, and I know 60 Minutes, Meet the Press, Rolling Stone Magazine, you were doing the, you were the guy out in front on behalf of the organization. First of all, did you believe everything you were asked to deliver? Sometimes as PR people, we're asked to write things and support a client that may not be our personal point of view. How did you deal with that? And then how did you prepare did you prepare for going on the record and being interviewed the same way you advise your clients to
1: do so? I think I generally did, um, and I could not—I uh, couldn't make an appearance uh, in the media uh, defending a position that I, in which I didn't believe. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that issue—I never had that issue for me um, because I personally believe in the Second Amendment and I am a gun owner, and, and there might be some issues on the margin in which you know. I, I I have different feelings than maybe NRA leadership, but in general, I'm a I'm a strong advocate. Um, but in terms of the prep, you know, I, I I as I always tried to keep Wayne Lapierre focused on the membership. I had to keep reminding myself that that's who mattered. What do they want to hear? And generally, what they want to hear is a strong defense. Um, but I also recognize that uh, that some of the situations that I was put in were pretty difficult. Um, I mean, I, you know, I was the spokesperson that when no one else wanted to do the interview, (laughs) I was asked to do it, you know? And so, you know, I'd be the guy, you know, driving my sorry self, you know, to a Fox News studio in DC at 10 o'clock at night, you know, to do some late night show there for, uh, you know, a seven minute appearance. Can you remember one
0: in particular that you really were? Hannity
1: and Combs. There was a show called Hannity and Combs. It was Sean Hannity and Alan Combs was the liberal on the show. And they would bring guests on and have a little debate. I do remember because it was in March and the NCAA basketball tournament had uh, just started. But I went down one night, you know, and I hooked me up to a, a, a mic and a staring at a camera and uh, the, the show comes out in New York. So Hannity and Combs were in New York and on the set was uh, chuck schumer the congress he was a congressman at the time a congressman schumer from new york and so we had a little debate about you know the i forget what the issue even was you know background checks or who knows i don't remember what the issue was but because schumer was on the set he was getting all the time and finally i you know hannity said something uh, no it was during we had a break And uh, a producer comes on, you know, you okay? You know, I said, yeah, yeah, fine. I said, but tell Sean Hannity that if he's going to give Schumer all the time, I'm going to get out of here and go watch the basketball tournament. (laughs) So they came back from the break and I actually finally got a chance to talk, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I was, that was, that was, that was my role, was to go down and do those kind of interviews that, you know, nobody else wanted to do. So when you were prepping yourself
0: or advising other spokespeople for the NRA, what was the number one piece of advice you would
1: give them? Remember the members, you know, you're doing this for the members first. Because sometimes you'd want other audiences, as we've talked about, you want to give a message to members of Congress. Sometimes you want to let the media know something.
0: There have been instances, though, where you were the architect of a statement um, instead of a uh, interview or a delivered statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why, what's the difference? What's your rule of thumb as to when you just issue a written statement versus, versus when you actually have somebody go on camera or provide it?
1: A written statement is in a lot of ways safer. You know, there's not gonna be a mistake made. Uh, you're not gonna have someone misspeak on the air. It, it depends a lot to me on the circumstance. Uh, one of the things that uh, that we did was create NRA TV, um, which was, you know, uh, online kind of news channel presence, you know, for NRA. And we had news people doing their thing, bring in guests and whatnot. But we also used it as a way for uh, Wayne LaPierre or other leaders of the organization, you know, depending on who was appropriate, would come into the studio, we would videotape their prepared statement. And, and put that up on NRA TV. And over the course of time, uh, we discovered that the largest audience for NRA TV were members of the news media. Interesting. And it was a way that LaPierre uh, didn't have to run around town doing media interviews anymore. He could put up his statement there and the news media knew that they weren't going to get anything else, and so it got used. Huge expense, though. Why? Why? Yes. I mean, is it a proactive effort to
0: own the narrative.
1: Yes, and you know, uh, they thought it was worth the money. Uh, NRA did. It certainly saved Lapierre from having to do Meet the Press. You know, uh, on a Sunday after a tragedy, he could put up a video statement, and and that's what the media had. That was our statement, and it got used, and it got watched, and. I thought I really was intrigued when I found out that the largest audience was the news media. Uh, inaccurately uh, following the
0: bombing in Oklahoma City. And this was an instance where you mm-hmm. issued a statement after President Clinton got involved. What, tell us that story.
1: That Yeah, that tragedy occurred and uh, one of the perpetrators, uh, Timothy McVeigh, um, who was not or never, and never was an NRA member, but he had sent a letter to Congressman Charles Schumer, complaining about Schumer's efforts to restrict firearms. Um, and he sealed the letter with a stamp that said, I'm the NRA. And so the Congressman started waving that around to the news media, so he's NRA, NRA, and we told everybody he's not a member, but you know, he got the stamp somewhere. Um, and then at the same time, or just a, a, a fundraising letter had gone out uh, from the NRA. You know, by one of their consultants had put this letter together, and the letter quoted a former Congressman John Dingle who had made comments a long time ago, uh, comparing, uh, uh, calling Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms agents jackbooted thugs, and the letter quoted that comment. And so then the NRA and Wayne Lapierre got because he was the signature of the letter. Uh, just, I mean, the media just vilified them uh, for calling federal agents jackbooted thugs. And this guy had an on the NRA sticker, and it just became a mess. Firestorm. Yes. And it was right at the time uh, of the NRA convention in Phoenix. And there were 500 media credentials issued out, uh, and uh, they all, you know, were coming. Uh, and President Clinton then issued a public statement uh, suggesting that the NRA donate all the money from the fundraising letter to the victims of the Oklahoma City tragedy. So now I've got 500 members of the news media in a press office in Phoenix where the convention was clamoring for a response to the president. So I find a private phone. We're, on, we're all debating about what are we gonna say? Do we respond? How do you not respond? What if you say this? Um, And in the end, everyone agreed that you got to respond. You have to respond to the president of the United States. You just can't ignore that. And he is the president. You can't just ignore the president. Um, And yet we didn't want to, we didn't want to get into a back and forth with him either. And we didn't want to inflame the situation anymore. We wanted to calm it down and kind of take the air out, if you will. Um, So we, I went back to the press office, I wrote the statement that we all agreed on, put it on NRA letterhead, press print, um, you know, printed out five or 600 copies. And then I, you know, I told the media, here they are. And so they're grabbing and pulling them off the printer as I'm walking out of the room and you could hear the collective, whoo, like they were all like disappointed Uh, because the statement simply said, the NRA thanks the president for his suggestion. That was it. That was it, you know. And we still got bashed around a bit, but it certainly took a lot of the air out of that, that whole situation. In the second part
0: of our conversation, Bill Powers shares his journey to becoming a nationally renowned speechwriter, plus what Nancy Reagan told him during a candid conversation. You can listen to part two of our conversation now on most major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Reputation Matters.
0: Find us at sunwestpr.com or your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.